Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. is in the books and you know what that means it's week three see what i did there anyway we'll look back at the past week and forward at the upcoming slate of games with loads and i mean loads of advice and data and other fun stuff right here on the breakout football podcast on the believe podcast network your one-stop shop for fantasy football and maybe a little bit more i'm zach cohen of the draft network with cole topham of devil's digest and we have quite the lineup to get to today starting off of course with our weekly superlatives and 10 takes on 10 players which our very special guest will help us with and let me tell you we are super amped to bring him in in just a few moments then cole and i debut a new segment called the good the bad and the ugly race yourself dolphins fans you will not like what i have to say i'm sorry just getting that out of the way now And of course, we'll end it with your fantasy questions. But before we get to all that, I did the math. And Cole, we're scheduled to talk about over 40 players today. Are there any that you're most looking forward to talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a blitz. I'd say Cortland Sutton is one that I've Mm. really penciled in. Scratch that. Sharpied in. Just because of week one, a lot of speculation surrounding his knee. Readiness to play came out and week two. Him and Teddy kind of put those to rest. So Cortland Sutton was was a guy I was personally uh, had mixed feelings on after week one. And now I feel a lot more secure putting him in my, in my lineup. Yep, we'll definitely get to him in a second. But first, we got to bring in our very special guest. You may know him on the Stay Hot podcast on Blue Wire. It's even more likely you know him on TikTok. Please welcome Theo Ash. Theo, how you doing, man? I'm great. Um, I'm in between classes right now. Figured I'd hop on. I know Cole, fellow ASU guy here, fellow figured I'd hop on and help him out and help out you guys with some fantasy advice. Appreciate it. We always love not just a great guest who's so knowledgeable about football, but another student. We had Jack Miller on a couple <laughs> weeks ago and we were we were all, all talking about like Florida and Illinois and Arizona State and all that fun stuff. So it's, it's always great to have another student on, man. Absolutely. Looking forward to getting into it. Yeah. So why don't we get right into it then? We'll start with our weekly superlatives. Cole and I each have a couple of them and we'll give them to you. You give uh, your answer for them. Then we'll give an answer of our own. So Cole, why don't you kick things off? Yeah, just a little simple one. If you drafted your your fantasy team, Theo, in, in the Stay Hot Pod League, do you have a player that's just like sitting on your bench where he's really just kicking rocks. It's the most unrealized opportunity for a certain player where he should be good for fantasy, but just isn't. Uh, Maybe in my league, the stay hot league, I guess um, I might go with James Connor. Who's a guy who's gotten opportunity on the ground over the last two games, um, 16 carries in week one against uh, the Titans defensive front should have been enough to maybe score a touchdown on the goal line. They put up tons of points you know, maybe get a big yardage game, but couldn't quite happen for him against the Titans. And again, kind of a disappointing game against the Vikings. I always kind of figured he would get more carries than people thought. 
And it looks like a good take, but again, it's not really converting into touchdowns or yards or fantasy points here. Yeah. I mean, certainly. And, and for me, like when I think of unrealized opportunity, my mind immediately goes to air yards. And so while my player has been contributing, you know, on the, on the fantasy spectrum, he could be doing a lot more. And it, it's kind of sad to see because the urban Meyer experiment is not really going as planned. And that is super unfortunate for Trevor Lawrence, but how about Marvin Jones, who has over 300 yards in the air heading into week three? And I think he's, he's converted most of those. I think he's, he's caught 12 catches. Um, and Two touchdowns over like, both weeks. Yeah, touchdowns both weeks. 11, yeah, 11 receptions, 130 yards. But this dude could be doing so much more. And same with DJ Chark. I mean, it seems like the Jaguars are keen to air it out under Meyer. But – it just isn't working. And so that's why I have Marvin Jones as my most unrealized opportunity player of the week. Yeah, there you go. I mean, look, like you said, the Jaguars, yeah, it's, it's an experiment that may not really be working out. A lot of people that uh, definitely didn't want a piece of that, but there are some players who haven't been on most fantasy rosters who, I don't know, I think I want a piece of. So that my first superlative is the best Week three waiver pickup. Theo, you got any guys in mind? I might go with KJ Osborne for the Vikings. That's an offense that is dynamic. They move the ball up and down the field against the Cardinals. Um, there's stealing, of course, and then there's Justin Jefferson. But KJ Osborne has picked up a nice role for himself as the number three receiver, um, an option not named Irv Smith, who's out for the year. He's a guy that you might want to pick up, and he might get a good six, seven, eight, nine targets the game. That's what he's looking at so far. Number three wide receivers can certainly be productive. He has been so far. He's a guy you might want to stash. Another might be staying in the NFC North, Quintez Cephas, who I believe yeah. is the best he looked wide receiver on, on the Lions. Um, Wisconsin guy. So I know, you know, I like him. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Quintez Cephas is another guy that you might want to pick up as a clear-cut number one wide receiver on his team potentially. Yeah, he's had seven targets, I think, over each of the two games so far. He's scored a touchdown, too. So there's a lot of production coming out of someone. We Almost had that one-hander against – against. Yes. if he pulled that off against Green Bay, I don't know. what well, It would have been a cultural reset is what it would have mm -hmm. been. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been the hottest name on waivers. And oh, yeah. one guy who his name has also been pretty hot. And I tweeted before the season, if Corderell Patterson is a thing, then like it must be a sign of the apocalypse. But it, it's kind <laughs> of looking like he is. And I think one of the reasons why is because he's being used as a running back and as a wide receiver, he only has the running back designation right now, but he just may be too valuable to leave on the waivers. And look, I was tempted to go Daniel Jones here. I really was, but <laughs> CPAT's week two stat line, 23.9 points, seven carries, 11 rushing yards, a touchdown, on top of five receptions on six targets, 58 receiving yards, one touchdown. Not only did he lead the Falcons in targets, and he saw nine carries, but he saw just two fewer carries than Mike Davis did. So I know it's a bad offense, but they're clearly trying to get Patterson involved. I wrote a little bit more about him too on the draft network. So going to plug that column there right now, but <laughs> Corderell Patterson, I think is the guy I want from waivers right now. And I, I'm just as shocked as you guys are that I'm, those words came out of my mouth. <laughs> he was dangerous as a rookie trying to get mm -hmm. back to that. Turning back the clock. He was that guy in Minnesota for a while. 
Yeah, it is. It has been really, really weird seeing how he's been used the past two weeks. I know Cole's kind of got a superlative along those lines, too. So, Cole, what you got next? Yeah, it's just these gadget players, man. Um, You just got to use them right. And so speaking of utilization, some player, you know, some teams know how to use their players. Some teams don't. Theo, what's been the best utilization that has resulted in strong fantasy performances the last two weeks? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I would say maybe someone like, well, you'd hope Darren Waller, who's gotten, what, 24 targets over the last two games. Speed but man. Carr couldn't hit him in the first game, and he was kind of quiet the second game. So I don't know if I can say him. Let me think about it for a while. Cole, do you have a guy? No, Waller is perfectly fine. I was going to say someone like Chase Edmonds because you mentioned it earlier. You were disappointed in James Conner, and that's mostly just because this backfield starts and ends with Edmonds. Conner is being used situationally as as we expected, and some people looking in would have assumed, oh, it was going to be like a 50-50 split. That's just not the case. Um, Frankly, the Cardinals are not running it all that much. I think Edmonds had eight attempts for 46 yards in the first game. or sorry, in the last game against Minnesota, and in the first game, he had 12 attempts for 63 yards. But what I am most looking at is this Cardinals team is very pass-happy. They are content to let Kyler run up his MVP numbers, and Edmonds so far has seen 100% of the snaps in passing game work, which is, I think, really significant for Edmonds' value, not only in fantasy, but just being on the field at all times, it, it, it's, it's going to make him the most viable fantasy option in this backfield. Nine receptions on all nine of his targets this season. So Edmonds, the back to own in Arizona, quelling all those concerns people had about the backfield maybe being split. And you know who it's hurt? DeAndre Hopkins. I believe that he's only third Yes, on the team in targets right now. And yes, he's caught a touchdown in both games, but it's It's been interesting to see his, it is Rondale more predicted. (laughs) Hey, when he went to the Cardinals, that's the perfect spot for him to end up. He needed somewhere that gets him the ball and kind of manufactures him touches around the line of scrimmage. And the Cardinals needed someone who could actually break tackles because AJ green Kirk and Hawkins can do it a little bit, but they've got better things for him to do. They needed a guy like Rondale Moore. He's a match made in heaven with Cliff Kingsbury. He has one more target than DeAndre Hopkins. They're finding ways to get him the ball, and that's great. That's fantastic. Something that really hasn't been great are a couple of those backfields over there, especially down in Jacksonville. I'll talk about them in a second. I don't know if you've got a more confusing backfield or one that's just confused you at all. Well, the 49ers are the gold standard of confusing backfields right now. I don't think you'll ever see anything weirder than the 49ers right now, whether that be coaching decisions, injuries, healthy scratches, whatever you want to say, it's been weird. No pun intended gold standard. I like that. And the thing is, is like, there's potential there. Like, look, you give a guy like 20 carries in that offense. Great. Probably have to wrap him in some bubble wrap, keep him healthy. But like, there's a lot of potential there. But for me, I'm looking at the Jaguars backfield thinking like, 
what is going on? And, and we kind of thought that would happen when they took Travis Etienne in the first round. They have James Robinson from last year. They decide to bring in Carlos Hyde and give him significant carries. So there is a lot that's not really going right out of Duval County. And I know I've been very vocal about what Jacksonville has done this offseason, especially in the running back room. But it is a little bit encouraging to see James Robinson like kind of whittle away at Carlos Hyde carries like in week two it was a 41 to 14 snap split in favor of Robinson Robinson had 11 carries and three targets Hyde only had two carries but he also had two targets and even then Robinson has been the main passing back in that offense so I don't really know what to expect because it's like why are you giving the ball to Carlos Hyde at all but even then even in situations last year where James Robinson would be getting the ball they kind of, it's a whole new offense. They're opting to throw. They're opting to use their first overall pick uh, and his arm. So, and it doesn't really help that there are no good reports coming out right about now about Urban Meyer. Like, is he going to finish the season? I don't even know. So th- there's really no answers like what this backfield can offer your fantasy team. And it's just giving me a headache sometimes, honestly. You'd, I have a question you'd... for for both of you. How much do you think the injury to Travis Etienne threw a wrench in Urban Meyer's plans for the backfield because it really seemed like he was going to use those backs situationally. And when his designated receiving back went down to season-ending injury, it now kind of seems like Urban Meyer really doesn't know what to do with his backfield and how to manage it. It's a little interesting because LaVishka Chenault was almost like supposed to be that guy where, okay, he can play in the room. He can play. He's like, a, oh man, I, I hate, I hate that I'm using this comparison, but LaVishka Chenault's kind of like the Corderell Patterson of the Jaguars. I think offense. that's a very fair comparison. I it's, think he's a better Cordero Patterson. He is. He a is. A more athletic one and isn't just like a straight speed guy. But I, I yeah. think Visca is, is like, Cordell Patterson maxed out at his potential, right? And that's kind of what they wanted like ETN to be like this running back wide receiver hybrid. So I don't know if you got any more thoughts on this backfield, Theo. Well, I mean, they're dead last in (laughs) running rate. And I can't imagine, you know, you've got a rookie. I don't care who it is. When you're a rookie, you're probably going to be the dumbest player on the field, right? And now you're airing it out, asking them to carry you to wins you'd think they would have liked or they would like going forward to run it a little bit more. Um, That's not been the case. They've been airing it out. And if that was the plan, I'm sure that having a very good receiving back like ETN was a central part of it, you know, and now that he's hurt, it's just been a mess, you know, like I feel like that injury, yeah, it did really throw a wrench in things and they're Mm -hmm. figuring it out. And it's yet to be seen on if Robinson is a, part of their plans going forward. And I do think that it is very questionable that a new staff comes in, right? Robinson was an undrafted free agent. You know, how much do they respect the talent there if they are going to bring in a first round pick um, after Robinson had such a good season last year? Maybe they look at him as just, you know, a UDF undrafted free agent that got lucky for a season. I don't know if they, if they respect him at all. Um, Right now the answer, the arrow points to no. 
Yeah, exactly. And I don't think I've gotten more questions about a player than I have about James Robinson. So I'm glad we kind of went on that little tangent there. Hopefully to you, the listener, some of your questions have been answered about what the heck to do with that backfield. And I can tell you right now, we're about to talk about 10 players who may satisfy your thirst for more fantasy knowledge. Cole and I each have five players. We'll dish them out to Theo. Cole, why don't you start with the quarterback? Yeah, Thea, I, I'm sure you've attacked this in, in a film breakdown or at least planning to, but Teddy Bridgewater, he's looked solid the last two weeks. Um, are you maybe looking to pick him up in fantasy and just some thoughts in general about, about his play? Yeah, I mean, a Broncos, the Broncos are a team I was really high on, and I was a little bit confused on when they started Teddy over Locke because I assumed that Locke had the higher ceiling and maybe you start with the high ceiling guy and let him lose the job before you go with Teddy. They didn't do that. They went right with Teddy. And so far, it's proved to be the right decision because he's been lights out. Look, you look at that wide receiving core with Fant, you know, Javante Williams has been good. Melvin Gordon's been good. Hamler, Cortland Sutton just had a monster game. Tim Patrick is really good. Even without Judy, there's talent all across the board there. And he can guide the ship correctly and take advantage of this. His average depth of target is the highest it's ever been. And they're cruising right now. Now they've gone against what the Giants and the Jaguars. So maybe he's been kind of a bad team merchant to this point, and he's going to kind of turn back into a pumpkin. Um, <laughs> you know, Teddy Bridgewater, his career high in touchdowns, I believe, is what 15. So you're lucky to get a multiple touchdown game out of him. I think that he's off to a good start. I'd be hesitant starting him in fantasy going forward just because. That hasn't been who he is, despite all the weapons. But I do think he's good enough, and the weapons are good enough to lead the Broncos to wins. I don't know if he'll be good enough to lead your fantasy team to, to wins going forward. What about, and I am so glad he's finally fantasy relevant, Justin Fields. Announced today on a Wednesday. This episode will drop on a Thursday. That Fields will be the starting quarterback for the Bears. So much euphoria across the great state of Illinois and fantasy managers everywhere. Your thoughts on the rookie quarterback? Well, Fields had kind of a rough debut. Uh, he threw a pick to a dropping lineman when he thought he had zero. Threw a bad pick. But the rushing upside is there. You saw him almost get into the end zone on a rushing touchdown. He iced the game. On a scramble, there was a long touchdown to Robinson that got dropped. I'm not sure that he is totally there in terms of readiness to start from what I saw last week when it comes to pocket presence, accuracy, took some bad sacks, fumbled, threw a pick. But in, in terms of fantasy, you know, anytime you can add, I don't know, six, seven, eight points on the ground with your running ability and, you know, against who they got, the Browns, I don't know. I, I would maybe pump the brakes a little bit on him, but I see where the excitement com is coming from because of what he is almost certainly going to offer on the ground. Yeah, and regular season, obviously a lot different than the preseason. In the preseason, Zeke looked to be in the best shape of his life, and we expected that to translate into somewhat of a better performance on the field over the last two weeks. Instead, last week, it was Tony Pollard with 13 attempts 109 rushing yards and a touchdown. He's also been used pretty pretty frequently in the receiving game. He got seven receptions over the last two weeks. So, Theo, I know you've spoken strongly in the past about, you know, Tony, Tony Pollard's usage versus Zeke, and is, he might even be the best back, back in that backfield. 
Cole, you didn't know me freshman year at Taylor Place, but I was in the lounge fighting for my life with these Cowboys <laughs> fans, arguing that the rookie Tony Pollard was better than the guy who's you know winning rushing titles, Ezekiel Elliott. They thought I was crazy, but Pollard has a better top speed. He's better at breaking tackles, more juice, doesn't drop the football as much, doesn't fumble as much. He's the better back. He has been for a long time now, in my opinion, and now maybe finally people are starting to come around to that idea and the Cowboys might be starting to come around to that idea. Tony Pollard's a dangerous man. If he gets him touch, if he gets touches, he's number one in the league in PFF grade and he looks the part on film. You can see it, his burst, his explosiveness. That's definitely a guy to watch out for if they're going to split that backfield, because the more opportunities you give Tony Pollard, you know, the better your team's going to be over Zeke. In my opinion, Zeke can't break off big runs. Hasn't done it in a long time. Yeah, and with Pollard averaging 8.4 yards per carry, saw 13 carries against the Chargers. I mean, who knows? Maybe we could see be seeing a, more of an even backfield split, but it's certainly going to depend on, on if Pollard can keep ripping off those big plays. Yeah, and another running back that's garnered a lot of hype. Dealt with some injuries. You touched on the 49ers backfield already. Got to get your thoughts on Elijah Mitchell. Is he, is he a must start? Is he a flex option? Are we, are we cooling on him a little bit? I, it's a confusing backfield. <laughs> uh, Elijah Mitchell, uh, I think there are some problems with him. His vision and his overall talent level is not super great, but his situation is super great. Getting a lot of carries in that scheme. Um, tons of touches last week. You like the situation and any running back with carries, is going to be fantasy relevant. It doesn't matter, you know, what their film grade is, you know, it, all that matters is the production and he should be productive there. I would think maybe possibly, who but who knows with Kyle Shanahan, I personally have him in a starting lineup right now. So I'm hoping that he's for at least for a couple more weeks still a guy that is worthy of starting. I would say that he probably is for now, but if he starts, you know, going down, I would hop off that train pretty quickly, but right now I'm still hopeful that he's, he's a guy that's going to be relevant. Yeah. And in, in Baltimore, it's do or die time for this player. And he seems to be rising to occasion. It's one that I'm a fan of Marquise Hollywood Brown back-to-back weeks with six receptions, 100 yards versus the Chiefs, and two touchdowns as well over that span. Is this finally the year, Theo? Yeah, I think it is. I think that he kind of came on strong at the end of last year, finishing with a handful of touchdowns and some nice games at the back half of last year. Coming into this year, I mean, I get that Bateman's been hurt, but Hollywood Brown's an explosive threat. He's shown good route running. He's shown hasn't had the killer drops um, that he's had before. Uh, Hollywood Brown to me is a good redemption arc because he was probably one of the most slandered players in the league last year, especially after that Patriots game, tons of hate directed his way. Um, but people have been coming around to the idea that he's, he's a good player and he's got some game breaking speed and he's been one of Lamar's most reliable targets thus far. I like the player. Yeah, I did a film breakdown on him this summer, and I think he ran a go on like 26% of his routes, and he and Lamar only connected on 2% of, of all the Ravens plays on that one play. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was it was just not a, a good scheme for Hollywood, and so I'm more encouraged that they're getting him the ball in his hands early, you know, in his route, and really just not relying on 
him to be the, primarily a deep threat. And I think it's been working so far and fantasy fantasy managers are enjoying it. It's been working for Hollywood Brown. One receiver it hasn't been working for is Robbie Anderson. I know there's a lot of commotion about him last year. Like he definitely outperformed his ADP last season. And then this season, I thought he was drafted a little too high. And now a lot of questions about him. What do you think? Well, I don't know. Uh, There's a lot of mouths to feed in Carolina. Christian McCaffrey, uh, DJ Moore, even uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. is there now. Mm -hmm. And he had that big touchdown week one, I guess. So you can say that for Robbie Anderson. But again, and it's it's always a question mark. Is Darnold the guy who's gotten off to this hot start? Who's going to turn a little bit back into a pumpkin? Right now, when Darnold's been balling out, should be the time when Robbie Anderson is eating the most. So it is a little bit concerning that, you know, Darnold, this might be as good as it gets with him. And Robbie Anderson is still not, you know, producing super well. If Darnold starts to struggle down the line, what's it going to look like? So uh, he is a little bit questionable. I would agree with that. He's someone that I wouldn't feel too crazy confident in, but who knows? He's a talented guy. Man, I, I love that expression. Turn him back into a into a pumpkin. That's that's awesome. But anyway, here, here's a player that stands a little bit, you know, only a little bit taller than a pumpkin, and that's Rondale Moore. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a pretty pretty grand transition there. But week one, he was kind of quiet. I mean, he had that one highlight reel play, but four receptions, 68 yards against the Vikings. It's a different story. Seven catches, 114 yards and a touchdown. Rondale Moore seems to be like the perfect gadget piece for Cliff Kingsbury to work around in his offense. Do you think he can become a consistent wide receiver too for fantasy in this offense? Or is Christian Kirk more, more prevalent for that role? I think that I would feel pretty good about starting Rondale Moore. I think that that was a role that they desperately needed. I kept mocking them Kadarius Tony in the first round during the draft process, knowing that they could really use a, you know, broken tackle artist. Um, they ended up not opting for him in the first round, but went and grabbed Rondell Moore in the second, which kind of achieved the same purpose. And he's rewarded them very nicely thus far. They've been winning games because of it. And I can't see them shying too much away from that unless of course, Rondale gets hurt at his diminutive diminutive size, but he's not a guy that, in my opinion, is ever going to get really locked down because he's not a guy that you're ever going to put your number one corner on because of Hopkins and Kirk. You know, he's just going to be a little shifty guy that is going to be able to expose holes in the scheme no matter who they're playing. So I do like Rondale more, and I do think that he will be able to keep this nice season going. While we're on the topic of height, I guess that uh, that that's what we're doing today on the Breakout Football Podcast. So Moore's five seven. Let's add, let's add like what, like half a foot. My math is terrible. That's why I talk sports and I don't do math. Uh, <laughs> Mike Williams is six four, and he has been a monster. He's a top six fantasy receiver right now. Is he for real? Is it a fluke? Absolutely for real. Absolutely nice. for real. Um, their offensive coordinator this offseason a while ago, a quote that I put in my my the back of my head here he is their x wide receiver and he is like we have always been able to we've always had a heavy emphasis on that position and the offensive coordinator himself said i would predict a nice year statistically for mike williams because that's what we want to do we want to get him the ball and so far that has been absolutely true 
of Williams. And he told us, you know, this is something that if you were paying attention to the press conferences, this was said that this was going to happen and it's happened so far and it's going to be the plan all year for them. He's a really good contested catch artist should be useful in the red zone. Um, and you know, especially if Keenan Allen goes down, I don't know what kind of workload he's going to have, but it's going to be good all year. It's going to be good all year. They told us this. Yeah. Williams has like a handful of those catches that are just like so insane and mind boggling, Mm -hmm. but it hasn't really produced, you know, one of those full seasons that you'd like to see from a player. There was one year where he had a bunch of touchdowns and not a lot of yards. And then there was one year that they had a lot of uh, yards, but not a lot of touchdowns. I think this is the year where both marry and he has a monster season. I really like Mike Williams. Yeah, and that together. seems to be like the, the theme of the Steelers offense too is some players will get the yards, some players will get the catches, some players will get the touchdowns, but there isn't really a player that has really like put all three of those together since Antonio Brown. And so here we're looking at Deontay Johnson possibly missing this week and Pat Fuermuth stepping into the scene. You know, he saw four catches for 36 yards, not elite tight end production by any means. But with one pass catcher down in the Steelers' aerial attack, he could rise to the occasion. Um, what, what do you think of his usage in that offense? Maybe he's someone I pick up in the stay hot league. My tight end is Cole Komet. My tight end sucks, so maybe I'll pick him up for this week. <laughs> did, you, did you punt the tight end position in your draft? I, I picked Gesicki, and then oh, I was no. like, yeah. I, I even like, even though good. you're so critical of Tua, you took Gesicki? I know, but I figured Tua is kind of a tight end type of quarterback where he's just going to take a security blanket. I don't know. I, I screwed up that. And now, then I was like, okay, maybe Komet. And now I'm like, I don't know about him either. So maybe Fryermuth is the guy I go with this week because he lit up training camp. He had that two touchdown game in preseason. They were raving about him all the time. So if he gets the chance, he might seize it and he might, you know, be a heavy point of emphasis and again big ben with the limited arm strength with the short passes he might have to be able to he might ha- he might cook with tight ends is what i'm saying and pratt firemuth is a talented tight end and i know there's a lot of other weapons there but i i do kind of i could see him being an important part of that that offense yeah yeah he's got a lot of talent i mean it was a guy i kind of liked at uh at one point he was like in line to be a first round pick it kind of like mm-hmm. dropped off a bit just because you know the positional value and everything so i kind of like his future in pittsburgh i'm not entirely sure if i want to share in him now in dynasty that's a whole nother story but while we're on the topic of tight ends the last player we're going to throw at you is a guy i got asked about all the time is robert tunyon consider seeing how barren the tight end position is like maybe you have to start him, but like, how do you feel about him? Tunyon's good. Tunyon's good. He's really, really reliable. He just does not drop passes. Doesn't offer much after the catch, but he doesn't drop passes. All right. And you know, LaFleur is a good coach, likes to scheme things horizontally over the middle. That wide tight end is a important part of it. And Tunyon's been a guy that's reliable for him outside of Adams too. You know, where are the receiving threats there? MVS is good for maybe a deep shot at game, but he's not really a target hog. Uh, so Tunyon's a guy that is an important part of that offense, makes the most of his opportunities, important piece of, the, of their red zone packages. I, I like Tunyon. I think that Tunyon is a very startable fantasy tight end. Uh, you saw the pass against Detroit. He was absolutely blanketed, and Rodgers targeted him anyway. Absolute dime of a throw. Tunyon came down of it. 
Katunyan came down with it. He's, he's just a reliable guy. Rogers will target him in those situations. And, you know, Mercedes Lewis is Mercedes Lewis at this point. There's no, you know, hyped up guy behind him. He's just going to be a good productive tight end. In my opinion, I would definitely consider him a good quality starter to have. I totally forgot he was on that team. Mercedes Lewis. I <laughs> Big dog. Admit. He just blocks. Like he's, he's so good at blocking forever. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I mean, I know they just cut Jay Sternberger. So that would have been my next guest. I think they had Josiah DeGuara too, but he was a they fullback. Do. He got a concussion. Got hurt. Um, yeah. And he's been, he had an ACL and now a concussion. Yeah. He's kind of more of a fullback use yeah. check kind of guy anyway. So I don't know. There you go. 10 takes with 10 players with Theo Ash. I know that you're in a pretty important fantasy football league. So I had to hear about that real quick. Cole talked about it a few minutes ago, but what's going on with that? What, what can you tell us? The Stay Hot League, me, my co-hosts, Matthew Sponauer and Bladen Kirk, we have put together this league of all-stars on TikTok. We got some former NFL talent in the fold here in Whoa. Chris Long and Will Blackman. Um, we are in the league with those guys, which is pretty cool. And right now I'm one in one and my team is struggling. I've got to admit, uh, <laughs> I picked Gasicki, who has not done anything. So my tight end position is weak and oh, I picked Odell and I stashed Michael Thomas. So I've been trying to find these sleepers at the wide receiver position. You're playing um, the long I'll, con. I am playing the long con. And once Michael Thomas comes back with the sorry state of the Saints wide receivers and Jameis doesn't have anyone reliable there, I feel like Michael Thomas will be much needed and much targeted when he does come back. Same with Odell. I think that those Browns wide receivers... You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones put up, I think, a goose egg. Anthony Schwartz didn't do anything last week. Jarvis Landry is out. They desperately need a game-breaking wide receiver. So I'm excited for Odell to get back. I'm excited for Michael Thomas to get back. But in the meantime, I'm trying to survive with the Marvin Joneses of the world, and he saved me. <laughs> he saved my ass by putting up tight ends or touchdowns two, two weeks in a row here. Uh, Corey Davis, Quintus Cephas. I've also got Rashad Bateman on my bench that I'm stashing. So we need some reinforcements of the stay hot team. Um, How but, many uh, teams is it, Theo? It's, I think, 16. I think 16. it's 14 okay. or 16. Um, I picked Tyson Williams in the draft even before Gus Edwards went down. So that was a good pick for me because I had Josh Jacobs, who was also out last week. So again, <laughs> we're running on fumes here. But uh, we were able to, we, we, I was able to win week one, lost week two. Um, but slowly, hopefully the team gets a little bit replenished here as Odell, uh, Michael Thomas and, uh, uh, Josh Jacobs get back here and we get, I see the, I see the, I see the vision here. I, I, this team can be a contender, but (laughs) they need to, they need to step it up a little bit. Hey, it's early. It's only been two weeks. Josh Allen, Josh Allen needs to step it up. That guy, he's my quarterback and he passed it like what? 80 something times over the first two weeks, which is exactly what I had in mind, but he hasn't been connecting with him. So yeah. I need him to get back to that 2020 form instead of this 2018 Josh Allen that we're is currently before us. Yeah. I was going to say who are, who are the marquee players and like Camara <laughs> who had like five yards last week, uh, Josh Allen, you know, at least everyone had their bad games at once, but like Camara, Josh Allen, uh, Josh Jacobs, Odell, Michael Thomas, those are kind of the, the big, the big four, and yeah. which managers look proud to take the chip this year? Oh, the guy who had the first overall pick. It was Drew Allen. Yes, Drew Allen has McCaffrey. He has Tom Brady, who's been putting up tons of you know touchdowns this year. 
Debo Samuel, Keenan Allen have been monsters thus far. He's got Justin Jefferson. He's, I think, the guy to beat. He does have Cordero Patterson in his running back two spot. So maybe that's a little bit of a weakness, but you know, I, I don't know why he's benching Kareem Hunt for Cordero Patterson this week, but that's what he's rolling with. He's but a believer. He is a believer, oh but gosh. that's I think the team to beat right now is that guy. He's 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 been putting forward some crazy numbers. Wow. I still cannot believe Cordero Patterson is fantasy relevant. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, you are more than welcome anytime to come on and talk about the, the league, your thoughts, just shooting whatever you got going on, man. We're always happy to have you on here. Theo Ash at Theo Ash NFL, T-H-E-O-A-S-H NFL on Twitter, on TikTok. Uh, you got a MySpace, anything else we got to worry about? <laughs> I've got an Instagram, but it's like Theo Ash, but that's just me like, posting normally there's no football content there if you want to follow the stay hot that's my other podcast the stay hot instagram account twitter account listen to it on spotify and me and cole also do a draft dynamite show with blaze radio here at asu where we break down some college football prospects and rookies in the league right now so i've got some other stuff going on if you like what i had to say here check those things out Nice. You know, Blaze Radio, you guys do some great stuff over there. I was on uh, I was on the Spurge with Jordan Spurgeon on Monday, and we were talking about NFL, fantasy, some MCU stuff. So you guys keep it up over there. We, we try. We try our best, our little, our little band of radio people. <laughs> yeah, we stick together for sure. That's awesome. Well, appreciate your time again, man. Uh, good luck with the season. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Thanks for having me on. Theo Ash, everyone, man, it was good to have him on. I've, uh, I've seen his TikToks for quite a minute now and always good to have another student on, someone who knows football, fantasy football, living legend, if you ask me. Yeah, no, I mean, Theo is great, super insightful. I feel like he does a really good job of antagonizing the football community over on, <laughs> over on TikTok, which oh, is, is something that I'm not too good at. So I've been sort of been able to gleam some things from him. Um, I see him every week at Arizona State. So, I mean, that's that's the dude right there. He's very, very talented, has a bright future ahead of him. So you mentioned that he criticized Tua Tungavoiloa. There's a Tua jersey behind me in between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. And you're also talking about antagonizing people. I have a good feeling I'm about to piss off Miami Dolphins fans in this <laughs> new segment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Pretty self-explanatory. Me and you will pick one for each of them, the good from week two, the bad from week two, and the ugly. So why don't you kick things off? Yeah, I mean, the good, obviously. I talked about him earlier on the podcast, but to see Cortland Sutton have the game that he did after – a week of speculation. He was doing this drill in 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 practice where he kind of seemed to have a hitch in his leg. Some people speculated that that was a you know, more long term effect of the knee injury he suffered last season. Some people thought, okay, it's just part of the drill, putting a little bit of pressure every single third step, and that's causing the hitch. Whatever the case, it didn't seem to impact him. On Sunday, he had 24 PPR fantasy points against Jacksonville, and that is exactly what you want to see from, from Sutton. I think he set two career highs in receptions and receiving yards, and so this is a dude that's obviously still working back into the fold, but quickly emerging as Teddy Bridgewater's, Bridgewater's favorite target and 
being more comfortable in this offense where, I mean, it seems like he just has, has not been able to, he wasn't able to get going week one. Right. So seeing him bounce back is a good thing and should be a reliable option for fantasy managers moving forward. I think. Mm -hmm. he's so talented to see him and like what the Denver offense has been doing is a it's it's something nice it's something they've needed for a while and I I can't believe I'm about to say this but Daniel Jones is playing like what we've needed to see for him from him for a while now like for as good as Cortland Sutton's been Daniel Jones is quarterback for what reality are we living in is this a Daniel Jones variant I'm not aware of I mean his his rushing ability is just bolstered him into the upper echelon of fantasy quarterbacks through week two. I am shocked. Uh, now, again, it's it's just two weeks, so there's no need to put on the full celebration for Jones's production yet, but his stats at Washington, my goodness, 29.46 points, 249 passing yards, a passing touchdown, and then nine carries, 95 rushing yards, and one rushing touchdown. He'll have a good chance to prove more doubters wrong with a juicy upcoming matchup against Atlanta. And he's definitely worth a pickup if you need a backup quarterback. And just my main concern is we've seen him be hot. We've seen him be cold. So I don't know if I'd start him yet, but my goodness, like he could be a top five fantasy quarterback by the end of the season. I did not see this coming. I'll admit yeah, I mean, one could have guessed because New York seemed to bolster their passing attack, but at the same time, Daniel Jones has not proven to be consistent enough that even with the talent on the field around him, you didn't know how it's going to play out. I mean, my one quip about Daniel Jones is when are we going to see this dude score a rushing touchdown, like a long one? Because his on Thursday was called back, and then, he, of course, he had the one where he tripped over himself yeah. the previous season. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, Daniel Jones, elite rusher, but all this, all the times that he's proved that he hasn't been able to follow through on it. So I just feel like he's has a lot of strides to be made as a passer. So there's that, but Hey, he's, he's striding as a runner, like oh literally. So maybe that's Zach enough. is so good at these puns. And this is what, why I'm so thankful to have him. as a <laughs> I don't even consider that a pun. See, I'm thankful for you. Cause my friends hate my puns and I just like, I get it out there just to annoy them because it's funny, but I appreciate that you're, you're showing me some gratitude with them. I wasn't even a, I didn't even think about that one. So I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm good. There we go. We're good. What you got is something that's bad though. Yeah, I've got DeAndre Swift, and I mean, he, his stats are decent through two games, but it kind of seems like the Lions are still a team that are trying to find their identity and what exactly they want to do on offense with, with the pieces that just are not flashy names in the, in the fantasy sphere. Obviously, you have Hawkinson, you have DeAndre Swift, who's this multiversatile running back in the backfield, but the way the receiving game is operating right now. I mean, Quintus Cephas showed flashes on Monday night, but there's no clear like alpha wide receiver in this offense. And that's why a lot of people were expecting DeAndre Swift to shoulder a pretty large workload to, to start the season. And that really just has not been the case. He's only rushed 19 times, 76 rushing yards. I mean, four yards per carry, but that's, that's bordering on, you know, a below average running back. And then you would want him to maybe be used more in the receiving game. 12 receptions for 100 receiving yards isn't bad over weeks one and two. But the way the, the offense, the Detroit's offense stacks up, you would expect 
you know, Swift to be sort of near the top in, in those totals. And he just isn't. So a lot of, and apparently they were managing its reps on Monday, which is, which is not what you want to see from your, from your starting running back, possibly someone you're putting out every single week in your lineup as, as your running back too. And so it's definitely a situation to monitor moving forward. And so far, not the season or not the start to the season that fantasy managers want to see from their year two breakout candidate. Yeah, hundred percent. And look, I love Swift as a player. I think he's just talented, but it's, there are going to be limitations in that offense, like plain and simple. Like, can he be a starter for you every week? Yeah. hundred percent. But is he going to break the bank for you every week? I don't know. And before I get to my uh, player or I guess team in this scenario, that was bad. Let me, let me uh, do this before I forget. Feel free to not only rate the podcast five stars or, you know, if, if it's a four star, I won't argue. I mean, I may, uh, may be upset about it, but five stars do it. Leave a review too, because the last few shows, cool. I swear I thought of this like last night, the last few shows we've been struggling to find a sign off. And I see we have multiple ratings. We've, a lot of people have left for like five star reviews for us. And we appreciate every single one of you as always. If you leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you use to listen, tell us what the sign-off should be and we'll do it for that week. Like, I don't know. I mean, as long as it's not something egregious, like that's how we'll sign off. It's a, yeah, we'll, we'll test them out for sure. And, and like, they can be silly. They can be serious. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just looking for anything at this point. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, I had to throw that little promo in there, I guess, as we get back to the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have your fan questions coming up. We got five of them. Very nice. But first, we got to talk about the Eagles tight ends. Oh, my goodness. They are a hot mess. Dallas Goddard, in two weeks, has 12.6 total points. He had 2.4 points in week two. Yet, Zach Ertz has just four points all season goddard's seen seven targets earth has seen four goddard you know for this uh this hyped up sleeper tight end who he's always made out to be is tied for the third most targets on the team with miles sanders here's the catch you would think off of that that okay at least Dallas goddard like who ironically is a top 12 fantasy tight end right now because that's how much tight ends stink you'd think goddard would finally be breaking away from Zach Ertz. They wouldn't be strung together so much. That's not the case. That's not the case. 129 snaps. 129 snaps. Goddard has played 70% of them. Zach Ertz has played 60% of them. Not only is there bad production, but there is bad usage. Ironically, now Ertz is on the COVID list. So he may miss the game versus the Cowboys. That would make Goddard pretty startable, as he always should be when Ertz is out. When Ertz comes back, yuck. I hate it. No way. This is a bad situation. Don't touch the Eagles tight ends in fantasy, as long as both of them are healthy and on the field. Yeah, a situation that makes your skin crawl. And this situation I'm about to get into, we discussed earlier in the podcast. But this time, we're we're circling a specific player to talk about, and that's Trey Sermon, who on his first career carry, not only fumbled the football, but also got hurt on his first career carry. And this is a guy a lot of people had penciled in to shoulder 
you know, that 49ers backfield, and especially with Raheem Mostert injured for, I think he's out for a year, right? Yeah. Who knows what Shanahan's going to do with this backfield. A lot of people thought Sermon could really slide into the workhorse role. It's clear that he just has the rookie yips and, and is not prepared to handle that. And so I think that's why Sermon was my obvious case for the ugly pick because he's just not at the point in, in his NFL career where asking him to do the little things like protect the football is, is a big ask. Yeah, and look, he had his fair share of injury issues in college too, and I think people kind of let that slide by as they were pegging him to be the breakout running back for the year, but it just hasn't worked out. And now's the part in the program where I feel like I'm going to alienate a whole fan base because my ugly, for the good, the bad, and the ugly, the final thing before we move on to our fan questions, the ugly is the Miami Dolphins. I am sorry, Dolphins everywhere. Where to even begin? Let's start with what's going right. The secondary is looking great. Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, maybe the best cornerback tandem in the league. Javon Holland, the rookie, has been fantastic. Jerome Baker, Andrew Van Ginkle, good, nice. Jason Sanders, reliable as always. That's kind of it. That's not even fantasy related. Jalen Waddle, <laughs> special teams and defense. <laughs> yeah, like that just kind of proves my point is this Miami Dolphins offense is looking ugly right now. Jalen Waddles looked good. Just going forward, can I trust anyone? I don't know. Tua can't stay healthy behind an atrocious offensive line. Miles Gaskin, he's fine, but am I confident in starting him? No, he's playing barely above 50% of the team snaps. He's a solid floor because he can at least see five targets a game like he has been. But now here's the question. Today, Tua Tagovailoa was announced as out. We knew he had pain. It's a fractured rib. This is going to be a problem, not just because, and I'm no doctor here, Cole. We all know that. This is something that needs time to heal. And it's time that the Dolphins and Tua don't really have. And that leaves Jacoby Brissett and Reed Sinet as the options here. No, thank you. And even if Tua comes back, is he going to be banged up? Is he going to be playing conservatively? We don't know. And it's a little disappointing because in week one against the Patriots, Tua played more aggressively than he's ever been. And I get that the Dolphins just got smacked by a very good football team. The bottom line is I cannot trust a single Miami Dolphin in fantasy football going forward right now. I can't do it. I can't. It's, it's an ugly situation down there for that offense. I'm with you. And like you said, this expands much farther than Tua's injury timetable. It's, it's after Tua's injury as well, because who knows, like you said, the offensive line, is that really going to, is that really going to improve as the season goes on? Is Tua just going to be taking constant shots to that injured rib cage and therefore he's not going to be able to find his receivers? The whole, there, there's a big red question mark over the Dolphins offense. And I, I think it's just something that only, only time will tell. It definitely takes a big step back with Brissett though. Yeah, it's not looking good. Well, that was our good, bad and ugly for the week. Our rotating segment Brings us to the final segment of the Breakout Football Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, Zach Cohen, the Draft Network, Cole Topham, Devil's Digest. Your fan questions, our fan Q&A, a lot about trades. And I got to be honest here, why? 
why, why are we making these trades already? We'll get into the five questions right now, but like, first off, it's only two weeks. Look at what last week or last season, pardon through two weeks, Cam Newton was quarterback three. Keenan Allen was wide receiver 35. John Smith was tight end three and people were anointing them as like, Oh, that's their season. That's it. That's not the case. That's not the case at all. So let's go, go into this first question sent via Twitter at CJ dolphins, five seventeen. Trade Justin Jefferson, Miles Sanders, Rob Gronkowski for Antonio Gibson, Tyler Higby, and Devontae Smith slash Hollywood Brown. Your thoughts? I I say I like this trade a lot. I think it has the opportunity to benefit both sides. I would say I, I lean towards the Gibson Higby, and then I would take Hollywood over Devontae. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because to me, look, Jefferson's still getting the looks. Like, he's a bona fide wide receiver one. The defensive backs are treating him like that. Sanders is due for a breakout game despite low usage, but that's also like last year. He's just producing more points with Hurts. Gronk is the prime sell-high candidate. The production is just not sustainable. Week two, he saw five targets. He caught four of them, two of which were touchdowns. And then Antonio Gibson, what I feared has since been the reality for him he's just not getting enough third down looks he's like a poor man's nick chubb and again that's good upside to have but like he's not nick chubb he's antonio gibson uh tyler higby is pretty irrelevant just because you have a tight end and a good offense it doesn't mean anything like the best tight ends in football they're like a top second or third option higby may be the fifth best option behind like van jefferson and between smith and brown i'm with you i like brown uh i love them as wide receiver fours i like his wide receiver threes so i think i'd actually rather have the jefferson sanders side because to me jefferson is the most valuable player there but it's also like i need to know the roster right i'm, I'm sure you had the same yeah. conflict like what's their roster look like it's so much more than a player for player players for players deal like how do they fit into the roster you do you have an you have a risky roster you need like some safe guys is it the vice versa are are you shy on running backs and you need another one like i don't know so th- those are kind of my thoughts on the players i don't really have like a verdict on it just giving my thoughts and like what i would do um and we can get into the next question unless you got any final thoughts on that yeah, I mean, mostly just I think Gibson will be a more reliable option than Sanders moving forward. Because I mean, I don't think Sanders can stay healthy, and they have plenty of options to supplant him in that Eagles backfield. And so I just think Gibson will get his issues ironed out. And this opponent is using sort of like the week two hype check to to really capitalize, you know, on on trying on trying to to nab you know Justin Jefferson from this squad and so i mean i would say i i still lean with the with the gibson side mostly just i think higby is going to be more reliable than gronk in the long term i think hollywood is legit this season Mm -hmm. so i i mean those are my thoughts but once again like i think we need to see the entire roster to to really analyze the strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. it'll be a little tough because we have three more questions about trades we won't take up too much time doing them but we'll start with a start sit question from Instagram, Matt underscore Shay 23, two starts. So one's going in the flex. One's the wide receiver. One's sitting Debo, Allen Robinson, Julio, which two are you starting and which one are you keeping on your bench? Depends on how much you trust fields chemistry. 
with with Allen Robinson, right? I think Debo is pretty much a lock yeah. at this point, no matter who he's going up against. Yeah, Julio is a different so. story because he's had one week where he was kind of blanketed by Byron Murphy, another week where he, he had a good performance and then possibly could have had a touchdown. Did you see like that one 4K picture of like his cleat in the back of the end zone? Yep. And it just seemed to like it may or may not have been touching a white blade of grass. Like, oh my gosh, the the speculation. Yeah. Blame it on the grounds crew. Yeah, I would say... I would say roll out A-Rob because I think they almost connected on that one deep shot and and Robinson dropped the football. I don't think that's a – and Robinson doesn't drop many footballs. So I think that is a mistake that isn't going to be too much of a factor in that duo's chemistry in the future. And Allen Robinson, to me, is pretty much quarterback proof. He can put up a decent stat line with no matter who, you know, he's – receiving passes from right and this tennessee titans offense julio's role really depends on you know if derrick henry has open rushing lanes or not and if the titans are trailing so that's why i'd I'd roll with debo and and a rob yeah i completely agree like a rob is arguably the number one option in chicago julio may be the third best option in tennessee and they do have a nice matchup indianapolis's secondary has not been uh too good this season so maybe look it's it's close like between a rob and julio who to start i think the safer bet is a rob in this scenario so i'm with you on that uh how do you feel about a couple more trade offers you got three left this one coming from tiktok how about that? Trevor Burnside touched on James Robinson a lot earlier on. Again, I have been asked so much about him. So here it is. Should I keep James Robinson or try and trade him? Definitely try and trade him. Yep. I, I think what we've seen from Urban Meyer the last two weeks, he just doesn't doesn't know how to use Robinson correctly and just doesn't really seem to have a concrete role in this offense that is going to be stable moving forward. And so I think you just try and get rid of Robinson as soon as possible, get somewhat of a decent return for him. Hopefully you didn't take Robinson too high in your draft. So so that it's like seriously impacting your running back core. But from what I've seen from the Jaguars so far, it's just not a good look for the rushing side of that offense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if James Robinson is your RB1, maybe you decided to go zero RB and take a chance on him. I'm sorry, you're probably stuck with him. But if he's your second best running back, even I'd also say you should probably keep him. But if not, like try to upgrade immediately. So that's all I really, that's the last time. Hopefully we'll be talking about uh, James Robinson for the next week, but I know that's not going to happen. A little more Debo talk though. This question coming from Scott Grossman nine on Instagram. Good question, Scotty. Would you do Debo and Javante Williams for Noah Fant and Mike Davis? Debo and Javante for Fant and Mike Davis. I'm taking the Debo and Javante side pretty easily. I don't know about you, Zach, but like I said, Debo seems to be a lock for production every single week. Shanahan's going to find ways to get him the ball. And then Javante, it's more just a matter of patience, right? If, if you're patient enough for Melvin Gordon to get banged up and, and hurt in the season and for Williams to, you know, get over some of those, those rookie jitters and, and come into his own and really take over the backfield, then I would say I would want the Debo and Javante Williams side over an inconsistent tight end, I'd say and a running back in a passing offense. So if you can be patient, wait for Javante Williams to to take over that backfield, 
I would keep, I would stay with the Debo Javante side. Hundred uh, percent. Debo is the best player in this deal, and like that's kind of some the thing that you should really target for. It really depends on your tight end because if you have Fant, I'd imagine you'd have a good tight end. Uh, getting Fant, sending Debo, you'd really need a good running back in that scenario. And Javante could be good down the line. He's splitting time with Melvin Gordon. Uh, Mike Davis has been the definition of average. You look up average mm-hmm. in a dictionary. Whoop! It's Mike Davis's picture. A fan and Debo, they can both start, but Debo gets more point so if you don't need Debo but you need Fant then maybe do it but I don't really trust Fant to be like a consistently good fantasy option and all said and done he could be like a top six tight end but that doesn't mean he's putting up like what more than 10 points every week so I don't know when in doubt go with the best player give me Debo and Javante I think a lot of fantasy managers got super super wide eyes when they saw Mike Davis producing at the same capacity as Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. in the Panthers offense and failed to realize that it was more about the scheme yes. than it was about the player. And so I, I just think the Falcons needed a running back. They saw those numbers and, and plugged Mike Davis into their starting lineup, but aren't necessarily scheming ways for Davis to get the football and are still opting to feed their number one target. I'm calling it now. The Falcons' overall RB1 in fantasy points this year will be CPAT. Corderell Patterson, baby. We're riding that wave. We're riding that wave. Speaking of another Falcons player, this is a good question, and this is the last one we have. Before we sign off for the day from Instagram, Joshua.Warner23, would you trade Najee Harris for Calvin Ridley straight up? What do you think? For straight up? I don't think so. I think Ridley is is still more valuable than mm-hmm. than Harris at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he you're basically trying to capitalize on a poor week one with a bounce back week two performance. And I still think Ridley is going to be consistently putting up, you know, 15 plus points every single week. And right. this Atlanta Falcons offense is it flows through him. It flows through that connection between Ridley and Ryan and with Pitt still not producing at the fantasy tight end one level that a lot of people were were selecting him as at tight end four Ridley's you know target share target hog is not going to change and so that's why I think you you, you're guaranteed consistent elite production from Ridley every single week in Pittsburgh I don't know if you can say the same about Najee who will get his looks in the backfield but it's really going to come down to that receiving game is is he going to play a huge role moving forward is is clay chase claypool you know really going to, to step it up in the coming weeks there's just too much up in the air with that offense and so that's yeah. why i'm leaning towards ridley i agree with you that ridley's putting up more points but to me i feel like the more valuable player here is harris and it's not because it's not anything against ridley it's more like yeah, let's say you take out Harris of one lineup and Ridley of one lineup. And again, I wish we like had more details on the roster and stuff. Uh, this is still a good question from Joshua, though, because I think it 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 opens up the, this this discussion of how do you value running backs versus how do you value wide receivers? Because Ridley right. is getting more points than Harris. But Harris, keep in mind, he has played every single snap for the Steelers except for three. Those other three were played by Benny Snell, and he did nothing. 
So it's like Harris is a great buy low candidate right now too. Harris has potential to be a top five running back just based on his usage. Really is, is, is a top five wide receiver with potential to be the best wide receiver in fantasy. That's something we've talked about before on this podcast. So I think Harris has slightly more value, but then again, it really kind of comes down to, all right, like what are your running backs? What are your wide receivers? Because to me, like having Harris, if you, you give up Harris, and then what your next best running back is like a James Robinson or Miles Gaskin, like no point in doing it. But if you're got, you're loaded on running backs, you need a wide receiver, then yeah, pull that trigger. Standalone, point based only, give me Ridley. But mm-hmm. Harris's value to me is just if you lose Harris and you got nothing at the running back position, is the rest of your roster is really going to be enough to sustain that? Or you just have a constant rotating door of five or six points at the running back position. This conversation is proving like in hindsight, two weeks after we all drafted our fantasy teams, we should have just gone triple running back to start our draft. <laughs> I, I, Oh, I did a lot of mock drafts with that. That has been, that has been a staple of mine for many years, three running backs to start the draft. I normally do three in the first four rounds. I don't really think I did that this year. I think I, try to target tight ends early and you know me had to get tj hawkinson this season baby it's looking good so far but it's only two weeks it's only two weeks yeah i punted the tight end position this year i i've just given up like even when i do draft one of the top tight ends i don't really feel like it plays out in my favor because i had kittle last year didn't really do much i mean he was injured the entire niners roster was injured and then this year i have kittle again and i wasn't really impressed with his performance in week two so i don't know the t- the t- I have a love-hate relationship with the tight end position, mostly hate. Growing up, I would always punt it, and then I started to realize, like, oh, dude, I'm just, like, banking on, like, six or seven points each week when I could have had, like, a Travis Kelsey. So two years ago, I drafted Kelsey, and I won the league, and then that kind of got me thinking, like, I really should start putting more value on a position I need to start every week. So last year, I was high on Mark Andrews, and I drafted him, but I traded him in a package deal. Oh my God, you're, you're getting ready for this. I traded Josh Allen because I, Josh Allen was my guy last year. Josh Allen was the guy had to draft him everywhere, but he was, he wasn't uh, he wasn't doing as well as Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was cooking. So I traded Josh Allen, Clyde Edwards, Alaire and Mark Andrews, the three players. I was the highest or th- yeah. Three of the high players. I was highest on before the season for Russell Wilson, George Kittle, and I think Boston Scott, because I had Miles Sanders, oh my even though gosh. I, I hate handcuffing my players. And that week was the week where Allen and Wilson flipped the scripts. Wilson started to not do as well. Allen started to ball out like I thought he was going to. Clyde, like, fizzled out because of Le'Veon. Kittle got injured. He played, like, 10 minutes for me. I still won the league somehow by, like, six points. So thank goodness for that. But that trade, like, wrecked me. But it kind of goes back to show – you got to have your tight ends. You got to do it. You got to have them. So that's that's my little tight end rant. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how the fantasy landscape shapes up because like we went through our fan Q&A, there's a lot of these knee-jerk reactions to players that have one good week, one bad week, two bad weeks, two good weeks, a lot of people trying to sell high. And so it's just seeing those, those trades develop. Once again, context of the roster, please. Yes. That that is that is key for making decisions, and especially like with, with a few of those questions, I feel like we would have been swayed one way or the other just based on your depth at that position. Mm-hmm. 
exactly. Just don't panic. Don't panic. Something yeah, you can't do though. Right. Yep, R-E-L-A-X. You see, I think I was. You saw it this week. There was nothing to worry about with that Packers offense on Monday. Nope, nothing at all. Luckily for you, we're done talking today. But hey, feel free to drop us a rating, or if you leave a review, tell us how to sign off. We, if it's not something way too crazy, inappropriate, or whatever, we'll do it. We'll do it here. You want me to come praise the Jets? I'm just kidding. I won't go that far, but. Leave a review. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll bring it on the show, but definitely drop a five-star rating. And of course, follow us everywhere at Ham Analysis, at Zach Cohen FB, Z-S-C-H-C-O-H-E-N-F-B. Had to sneak it in there. Uh, Zach, I know last show I asked you to, to come with a with a jingle, but I forgot <laughs> to remind you. So no worries if you don't have one. Do but you I have, have one? Uh, I have a, if you leave a, far, leave a five-star review, and then we'll just have to tootle do, but I think that's a. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to iron that one out. Uh, yeah, you have to get the whole Iron Man suit for that. Uh, hey, I appreciate the effort. It's more than I did. I don't know. I don't best. see that. That's why we need to tap into the creativity and inspiration yeah. of our listeners. I got a friend who makes music. He's pretty good at it. I don't really see him too much, but I'm sure I could pop into his DMs or something and ask him to make a jingle. I don't know. I know GarageBand a little bit. We'll figure it out. I don't. We also got sick. This sick outro music that's a, probably playing under me right now because of the power of post editing. So thank you guys so much to tuning into the Breakout Football Podcast. Zach Cohen, Draft Network, Cole Topham, Devil's Digest, uh, probably sport clips too with that haircut, man. It's like it's looking oh, nice. It's getting long again, man. It's a good flow. You got you're rocking it. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, I, I take good care of my lettuce. Nice. Well, that'll do it for this week. Give us a sign off, please, in the reviews. Five stars, too. See you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.